And hello out there, all you Lassoholics, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. I'm Jeremy Geckner, here with me as always, my co-host Craig McFarland. What's up, Craig? Oh man, I am so <laughs> ecstatic today. Why are you so excited uh, today? Why? What? I don't get it. Well, they can see the title. You're burying the lead here. I buddy. know. We are talking to Emmy just, nominee Nick Mohammed, Nate Shelley himself so today. That they don't get to hear the conversation. We'll just keep talking and talking and talking. No, of course we're not going to do that, folks. Uh, you know we like to go on spiel's um, and stuff, and we're not even going to bother with it today because we are talking to Nick Mohammed, Nate Shelley from Ted Lasso. This is an awesome conversation, guys. We get into so many different things about his character and also about him and his uh, journey to Ted Lasso and. And, uh, where he hopes to go afterwards. So we'll talk on the other side of it because you don't want to hear us right now. So without further ado, folks, our interview with the Emmy nominated Nick Muhammad. Nick Muhammad, thank you so much for coming on Peanut Butter and Biscuits today. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here on Peanut Butter and Biscuits. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun name of a show, isn't it? Uh, I like it. <laughs> that came straight from Craig's brain there. We uh, always want to start the same way with a lot of our interviews, which is what we call our superhero origin story question. So right. that is what we always want to know. So Nick Muhammad, how do you go from born human being to star of film, television, BBC, everything? Give us that superhero origin oh. story. Goodness. Okay. Well, the potted history is I, yeah, born and raised in Leeds, very normal upbringing, nothing fancy, but I was into magic. I used to love performing magic as a kid, got a magic set when I was like four years old and always used to, I'm sure, annoy my family and friends with tricks and so on. And then got into like the junior section of the Northern Magic Circle, which is like a magic club in the UK uh, when I was I guess, 13, like 12, 13, and then just stuck with it. And then, you know, started working as a magician, uh, you know, when I was 16 in hotels and weddings and restaurants and stuff, went to university and kind of carried on doing magic, never did comedy or I did like a little bit of acting, like some of like the, like the college pantomimes and things like that, but never a big fan of comedy in terms of watching comedy, both live and on television and stuff, but never was sort of brave enough to do it. And then I remember someone had pulled out of a comedy night and they needed a compare and they asked me to do it because they knew that I did magic. And so I did it. I, I basically did magic, but I did it. The, fir- the very first bit was just kind of a bit of stand up that I'd written. And so kind of had the sort of then the uh, the kind of the, you know, start to sort of crave it a bit more doing kind of just comedy and not relying so much on gimmicks the magic (laughs) and uh, and then when I I then started doing a PhD at Cambridge University and they've got a sketch group called the Footlights where you know you can basically audition to perform once every two weeks if you write a new thing and do monologue or a stand-up set or a character thing and so I started doing a load of character stuff and um yeah then on it just kind of took off and I went to the Edinburgh Festival got signed by an agent. I was still very much temping in London, like doing a day job at a bank. I couldn't um, afford to support myself doing comedy and acting at that point. But then, yeah, I guess since 2010, 2012, I was sort of earning enough through doing comedy and getting bits of TV work and so on by that point that I was able to sort of just support myself that way. And yeah, then I guess it sort of slightly sort of snowboard with doing more and more films and getting writing script commissions and, uh, and then, but 
weirdly, I only real, really feel like the last five years with intelligence and Ted Lasso that they kind of, I felt like, oh, this is a proper job. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're telegraphing where we want to go with some of these questions. But before we get to okay. intelligence, Ted Lasso, all of that, I have to ask you, because Ted Lasso was my inference point to you and to many amazing actors, uh, Brendan and Brett. Um, and I went on a deep dive with you guys once I saw the first season. And I've got to ask you about Mr. Swallow, because I've seen about a million <laughs> videos of this. Well, so Apologies. Apologies for that. <laughs> no, it is. I've I've shared the uh, Les Mis video about oh, yeah. a million times as well. Where did this character come from? It's absolutely fantastic. Well, the cat, I mean, listen, Mr. Swallow is my absolute baby. And it's funny to think that people might have seen it in the States because it's a very regional British oh, yeah. accent, for one thing. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, and quite camp. And I mean, it's based on a school teacher. You know, I was doing that voice as an impression of a teacher from when oh, I was really? like, you know, 14, 15. And it was my English teacher and she she was, I mean, quite mad. <laughs> I mean, obviously <laughs> there's a artistic license in, in sort of where I've taken it now, but um, uh, yeah, she was sort of using teaching as a platform to spout all manner of just bonkers things. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I then, I think, I don't think I did it at, Durham but then when I got to Cambridge and started doing kind of character stuff I thought oh I'll just do this voice and sort of these sort of weird mannerisms and and it and it just became a thing and sort of been doing it ever since but yeah now it's sort of I've done it on tv in the UK and I'm about to do some more live work with that character and yeah. stuff and so yeah yeah <laughs> well Jeremy and I are both musical theater geeks in fact that's yeah, how we good. met so oh, well, it's too. great I saw the Les Mis clip this morning and it was just, I mean, it had me just in stitches. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, thank so, you. <laughs> it's wonderful. And, you know, you mentioned also, in addition to your acting, the, the writing you do is really prolific. We actually had a chance to chat with one of your castmates, Mo Judy Lamore, and he was talking about how when you're getting ready for that landmark scene in season two with Ted, you're preparing for that, but you're also writing intelligence on your laptop <laughs> at the same time. So I'm just wondering, how do you how do you stay in your headspace creatively? How do you keep all this segmented, and, and how do you do what you do? <laughs> I think Mo, Mo Mo told me that he had said in an interview that he had mentioned that, and then was really sweet and came up to me and was like, "Oh God, I feel like I've." I sort of say that you weren't really concentrating or weren't focused on that scene. I'm like, oh God, no. I mean, it's, I mean, there is a, an element of truth to it in that I think, uh, you know, whilst I like moving the camera and lighting the seat, you know, I was like, well, I'll just take a bit of time out. And I don't know if I was writing it. I think I was probably editing, doing edit notes on intelligence or something. I think that was the time for that. But, um, you know, I, then it's sort of, you know, when, when we were like kind of 10 minutes before shooting, 50 minutes. I said, okay, close the laptop. And I started pacing around the locker room and Jason was talking to me about the scene. But um, but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I don't know, multitasking. You know, I've got two young kids as well. So when I'm at work, whether it's filming or it's a writing day or whatever, I really feel like I've got to make maxim maximize the use of time because when I'm home, you know, it's really to be spent with the family and, and shouldn't really be for tap, tap, tapping on my computer. Well, yeah, that's such I, a that's such a cool way to go about that because we also have young children. I have a six year old, and then Jeremy has two young uh, boys as well. And he, I will say, Mo said it in the most. He meant it as a complete compliment. Very big he's saying, Here you are, going to go crush this scene that people are going to remember from this show forever. And you're <laughs> you're doing this on top of that. So he definitely meant it as a compliment. It, 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 bless him. Yeah, no, I'm sure he did. And it was that. I think it was possibly my way of because I because I was aware that the scene there was a lot of 
pressure on the scene in, in a sense that we'd been building up to this point with next story or downward sort of spiral, I guess. And it's the only scene that's just exclusively between him and Ted for the whole season. And so, and you know, we'd been talking about it for over a year in a way, because I knew that this scene was coming when we're filming season one. So it was always at the back of my mind that we'd come to shoot this and getting to have a scene like that against Jason, you know, well, I just felt very lucky for one thing, but I just wanted to get it right. So maybe it was my way of just slightly distancing myself from it so I didn't get too kind of caught up in my own head, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's probably that's probably very accurate there. Um, because of course, you know, you've already mentioned uh intelligence, which is so so freaking funny, everyone. Like go and watch oh, intelligence you. if you haven't watched it yet. I love that style of humor. But uh you've you hinted that that might be returning in the near future, and please, please, please let it be. But we also know you've uh, recently wrapped filming on uh Maggie Moore, uh this new yes, film yes. with uh John Hamm and another prolific writer, Tina Fey. Um, so uh what can you tell us about that movie um before we get gone? It's uh, directed by uh, John Slattery, correct? Yeah, and you know, listen, I'm a huge, well, huge Tina Fey fan, huge Mad Men fan. So when you know John Slattery and John Hamm, I was like, ah, oh, this is, you know, I, I had to be careful not to to, to fanboy them too much. Right. Um, yeah, it was a strange old thing that came about. You know, I guess it was this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier, that I found out that I was, you know, going to do it, and it was, it's, it's, it's this, it's sort of loosely, very loosely based on a true story of a very sad story of two women of the same name who were who murdered mm. and, and it's unsolved. They don't know why they, they were murdered and they, they suspect that it was a, like a contract killing mm. that they just got the wrong person, that they take, took out the wrong person. I mean, it's just it's horrible. Um, and so it's about the investigation of that case. And, you know, whilst it, there are definitely moments of sort of humor in it, I mean, it's, it's very much a, you know, it's almost a thriller in some, some regards. Bit like Fargo, I guess, tonally, but like in the set in the desert. So it's it's got this it's got this really interesting tone that sort of walks this sort of fine line of, you know, quite, you know, dark stuff and macabre stuff. You know, John and Tina Fey are, are in a kind of like a sort of tricky relationship as well. So there's it's just I don't know. It's a very human film, I think, and it was just great fun to be. And I played, you know, the, uh, John Hamm's deputy, and uh, so all our scenes are pretty much together. And you know that was just a joy getting to, to work with him, really. And he's just such a just a gent, really. Um, but it was in New Mexico, and I was away from the family for like six, seven weeks, so it felt like a big deal. Like I was like, wow, you know, I've not I've not been away for that long. You know, I think the most I'd done prior to them was like three days, and so wow. I, it was it was like oh, I, I was I was feeling quite. And in fact when I landed, it was like three days before the season two finale of Ted Lasso dropped. So oh. I kind of, to try and get over being lonely, I just did loads of press because I knew the season finale <laughs> was coming out. I was like, yeah, just just, just keep me company. <laughs> I think people are going to want to talk to you. <laughs> well, if you ever get lonely again, I'm pre-inviting you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Need to chat. No, I, uh, I, I do want to start to dive into Nate a little bit as well. And that character arc, and of course, uh, we know that you're in the middle of filming season three. We're not going to ask you questions about season three. I but I I'm wondering if you can speak to the your thoughts on that turn. And I think we might see it just a little bit differently than a lot of people out there. I think Nate is somehow feeling so insecure in his own skin. And whether that's due to his father or kind of his more socially awkward nature. But I almost feel like we should have more empathy for Nate. This whole show is about kindness and empathy. Mm. And I almost feel like that is how we should be feeling towards your character at the end of season two. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it was always my ob 
object, I mean, listen, it's all in the writing, so I can't really take much credit, but it was always my objective for even when, you know, he's laying into Ted in that, that scene in season two, uh, episode 12, season two, that, that actually Nate is the most vulnerable person in that scene, even though the stuff that he is saying to Ted is horrible and Ted is deeply, you know, it's a real gut punch to Ted. And partly because there's some truth to what Nate's saying as well, to a degree. Mm-hmm. But but undoubtedly, Nate is the most vulnerable in that scene because he is just a mess. Like he is just riddled with insecurities, has zero support network, which is why he feels so abandoned. And it's partly why he's probably made so many bad decisions because he's had no one to guide him, and he's always had to either be guided or just be the underdog. And um, I also think that Nate is a real victim of. Um, not not to say that this is exclusively true, but but when people are bullied, then mm. often or the victims of that kind of stuff, they mm. often just replicate that behavior when they come into a position of power or responsibility. And you do see that with Nate. And you know, he starts first of all with Will the Kitman, which is what who was doing his old job, and then Colin, who was used to pick pick on him. And so there's an element of this being sort of payback time for Nate but also it's all he's known. Mm-hmm. And so without that kind of level of support, he sort of thinks, oh, well, this is just what you do. You know, he doesn't really know. And and yeah, absolutely. A lot of his insecurity stems from the toxic relationship with his dad, like you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were definitely. So, so, yeah. So I would like to, I would like to believe that people empathize with Nate's more than the sort of superficial reaction, which is to be like, you traitor, we hate you. Well, which, you is, know, which is fine, which is fine. I, I hope that over that's time, it. since we've had some distance between that season two finale too, that fans come to realize that now, I will say that, you know, we posted a tweet like right after the season two finale that the uh, believe sign was the biggest like off-screen murder of, yeah. in television <laughs> history. And so I think that people had this gut reaction to that, you know, and that uh, it really did strike people to the core. But over time, I think that you really can dive into these characters a bit more and realize that there is some great insecurities here in your character. And even you mentioned the writing and we talk about the writing so often, but the the fact that you're calling back to in season one, you're talking about uh, Nate is talking about the fear of getting old. And then you see the grayness Mm, uh, and everything Mm -hmm. about like, it's just incredible. The writing team Mm -hmm. on this show. Mm -hmm. Undoubtedly. Yeah. They, they planted so many, seeds and there's so many little easter eggs i mean like you know i can barely keep up and i'm trying to keep a note of them for season three because it was actually really not 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 cathartic is the wrong word but when i did a tweet at the end of season two just to sort of highlight some of those sort of points in the journey partly not that i think people needed sort of spoon feeding sort of sort of journey i think it's all there but I, I think there are some things that you kind of miss and you might only get like on a rewatch. And so it felt quite useful to do that. And so I've been trying to do the same whilst we're filming season three, because honestly, the level of detail and the level that they have thought about things, it's just my, and as a writer, not nearly as good a writer as them, but like, you know, you just, you can only take inspiration from how, how well they've managed to track and not just Nate, you know all the characters really and just yeah. so many things along the way but and and you know that is carried through to some of the design elements and I, I, I can't spoil anything but there was a moment in there's a moment in episode one of season three and the designer we're about to film it and the designer just showed me this little screenshot of something and I'll, I'll, I'll reveal I'll reveal it at the end of season three when it goes out but 
and said, this is what this is. Wow. And I was like, oh, crikey. And he literally <laughs> designed a room to look like something from something. And I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. And, yeah. it, and it, it speaks so much to the attention to detail across the writing, the casting, the crew, you know, the effort that the crew put in to kind of, you know, make the show what it is. And, uh, yeah, it's only, they've, if anything, they've upped the ante on season three in that kind of way. And I will just say, I know Jeremy has a question next. I don't want to uh, filibuster you here, Jared, but uh, <laughs> you right. are humble because your writing on intelligence is wonderful. And Jeremy yeah. promoted it earlier, but really, if people are waiting for season three, go and check out Peacock uh, and go and check out intelligence because you and David Schwimmer have this chemistry and, and like the writing on that is so poignant and witty. It's like the anti Ted Lasso in that oh, yeah. instead of being so compassionate and self uh, affirming. <laughs> It's just guys. David Schwimmer's got that in spades, but now he's the arrogant American. It's so great. So uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. Jeremy, I, I, you can go on with your question, but I wanted to make sure that uh, you are a great writer, sir. <laughs> so, Thank you. That's very kind of you uh, to say. Yeah, before my next name question, just off of that riff, the very first time we see David Schwimmer in that show and he's listening to The Well-Dressed Man and just keeping everybody blocked on that moving sidewalk. Yeah. I just thought that was like the biggest laugh out loud moment for me. Oh, thank you. That's very so perfect. Um, but you did uh, make mention of the Twitter thread that you uh, did at the end of season two there. Um, and you also mentioned in that, that around that episode that it goes all the way back to For the Children from uh, season yeah. one, episode four. And, you know, you also mentioned there that Jason then told you kind of the whole arc of Nate at that point. And uh, when Craig and I were talking about it, it really gave us the same comp, which was the story of when J.K. Rowling told Alan Rickman the whole yeah, arc of Severus Snape right. in, in yeah. Harry Potter. Um, so I just wanted to know, like, what did that do to your thoughts about this character? What did that do to your process about this character? Because you'd already been acting as Nate, and then you get this whole arc laid out in front of you. Like, what did that do to your process there? I think you just all, I mean, you, be, because they they did it so well in terms of drip feeding little bits of information across, you know, those, well, 22 episodes going up to the end of season two. Um, you know, they did such a, a great job of planting every single seed. You know, I, I always had kind of, questions but I just always would just keep it just at the back of my mind I mean uh, you, uh, you know it's the same with where I know what's kind of I mean season three such is another roller coaster for Nate there, there is I mean I can't, yeah it's so difficult to talk about without giving yeah. it away but there are there <laughs> yeah, are lots yeah. of things you know where you just try and keep just this one idea at the back of your mind <laughs> and just try and in in, in magic actually this might uh, tell me if I uh, this might be completely well known but I think it's a magic thing but you always have like this sort of silent script when you're performing magic because mm. partly because what you're saying isn't necessarily what you're doing so you have to so the silent script has to be the thing that you're really doing um, whether that's telling yourself to do this move at that point or what all you needed to look this way or whatever it is and I sort of feel like with acting it's sort of just the same but without the gimmicks of sleight of hand or trickery or mechanical things or anything like that but you know you might be telling one story but in your head you're telling another story so I try and use this silent script thing like a, a lot to kind of even if it's just the tiniest eye move I mean you know you might not even kind of read it when especially when they then cut around it and you're not in control of the edit and things like that but I, I try and always think the thing that is really important even if it's not laid bare in, in the scene. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of moments like that. And with Craig's uh, empathy question earlier, um, I think that the reason it does hit us fans so hard, what happens at the end of season two is because we do care for Nate. You do such a good job of making us root for him that it's it's so painful for us to see that slow turn and we see where it's going and we want somebody to stop it and Beard almost does, but then he doesn't. It's just like, it's just, it, it's a very earned turn, I think. And I think that's why people okay. reacted so harsh, harshly to it, you know? Yeah, I think, I think I mean, particularly because they've done such a great job in, in allowing the audience to really root for Nate in mm-hmm. season one. And that, you know, he's, you, everyone can associate with underdog does good, gets promoted at the end and it's brilliant. And it's a wonderful moment in that season finale of, of, uh, of season one. But I remember distinctly talking to Bill Lawrence just before season two filming and him saying, we are going to, we have to manipulate the audience. I mean, he used the word (laughs) manipulate or or, or exploit, you know, exploit that kind of, the the fact that everyone has such goodwill for for Nate because it will make that moment when he betrays Ted and leaves the club even big, you know, even more emotionally impactful. And it's so true because we really were rooting for him. And it's like, how could you do this? We, We literally had you at every single step of the way. And now you've done this. I mean, it's the ultimate betrayal, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because when we had a chance to chat with Tahib, he mentioned that they try, your other castmates try to get out of Jason, like where their character (laughs) is going. And he's not as, uh, he's kind of tight-lipped with them. And so to to give you that insight (laughs) into your character, uh, we were joking with him. We knew that a lot of them play FIFA together and that like they would be just playing FIFA and they would just go like, hey, so Jason, what do you think is going to happen here? You know, (laughs) and so things like that. So it's it's really cool that uh, you got a little bit of insight into that process I, I ask a lot of I, I, that's very I didn't know that that was true um I I ask some very specific questions partly because I just I don't know I kind of want to get it right and that you know they've been they were very clear from the off that this is a very you know even when I auditioned for the part and I was not not umming and ahhing about doing it but I was I did have a question when it was offered of oh but is this just going to be too similar to like even though Tony they're very different with intelligence Shrim plays this American sort of eccentric, very different kind of eccentric guy who is sort of teleported into this British institution, GCHQ and Intelligence's case, the Premiership Football Club, a uh, Premiership Football Club in terms of Ted Lasso. And, 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 you know, I'm playing this sort of sidekick, sort of a bit kind of happy-go-lucky breezy guy, but subordinate, you know, are there, is that the, the extent of the relationship was my question in intelligence because it's just a very silly show. Nothing changes with that relationship. Yeah. There's no development whatsoever. <laughs> and deliberately so. And they were like, with, with Ted Lasso and Nate, they were like, uh-uh, no, no, uh-huh. this is what it is. So, you know, they they absolutely have been true to their words and they have great. explained that, that kind of broad series one, two, three arc, you know, right from the off. So I have, I have one more deep Nate question and then we'll get <laughs> yeah. back to more fun, but uh, you've, we've all heard the comparisons. We've, we've heard Jason talk about how this is star Wars and this is his trilogy and the three seasons. And uh, we know that people talk about Anakin Skywalker and that Darth mm-hmm. Vader, that turn that Nate has, but I actually have a co-host on another show. We do a Disney podcast uh, together and Vanessa has a theory and she was like, Oh, you're talking to him. I, I want to get his thoughts on okay. this. So this is a little <laughs> okay. bit deep. And 
if, okay. if you don't want to go here, that's totally fine. But okay, she thinks it's more of a Jesus Judas relationship between <laughs> the two. And so, you know, getting religion can be about a third rail. But if you'd like yeah. uh, to comment on that comparison. Wow. <laughs> well, if I've seen some, <laughs> some, I, I tried to stay off Twitter. But not not stay off it, but there was just a there was a time, particularly when season two ended, when obviously there was getting a lot of stuff coming mm -hmm, through, yeah. and I, and I was like, Ooh, oh wow, and and uh, <laughs> because that's what Nate does in the show, I was like, I gotta, I, this is a bit mm -hmm. of art imitating life that I sort of shouldn't, I shouldn't pander to, but I have seen some fan art that did picture Nate as Judas kissing Ted. Quite homoerotic, actually, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in a good way. And so I, I don't know. I, I mean, he, he is, he is. I don't know about Ted being Jesus, though. I think that Jason wouldn't want to see him as a Jesus figure, like because, yeah. you know, he's got he's he's got his issues as Ted. Like mm -hmm. he's not perfect. He means well, and he's quite. I think that he, if you were to look at say Christian values, he does like he absolutely does. Well, I was going to say, be curious, not judgmental. I think there's a lot of judgmental Christians probably, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, sadly. But I think that he does embody a lot of kind of, the, you know, the goodness in, in the kind of the human good qualities that we all seek to kind of um, have. Yeah. And, you know, be strong leaders in that respect. I guess if Nate is Judas, uh, it makes him unredeemable. I guess, but, and you know, without giving anything away. I mean, you know, Judas hangs himself. And, right, right. I guess, I guess, goes to hell. Does that is that what happens in the Bible? Does he go to hell? I think or, he's, or does he get, or yeah, does he get I to think, purgatory. I think Dante Dante said he was in in the one of the circles of hell. I believe so. Which, which one? The worst one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he was yeah, in the seventh circle, right? Seventh circle. Oh, yeah. Crikey. Yeah. Oh well. Well, then there. That 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 that's massive. Hopefully, no that's not right. where Nate goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can't comment, but um, the yeah, it's an interesting one, as opposed to the Anakin Skywalker theory. Yeah, I mean, they you know they're all the same story, really, aren't they? Good versus yeah. yeah, but you know, everyone. What was it? Jason said this to me without. Well, it's not even Jason that said, I think it's probably a quote from Lord of the Rings, like without the darkness, they can't move light or whatever. Or is it yeah. Lord of the Rings? Or is it Star Wars? It's one of the two. But yeah. <laughs> All Joseph Campbell's hero journey, right? Um, yeah, so. yeah, exa exactly. Well, uh, you know, getting into something a little bit more happy-go-lucky here. Um, so obviously, you know, we've talked to a lot of your fellow actors and they always talk about the culture on the set and how much fun you guys have with each other. And that it genuinely is just a, an amazing time. You know, as we're coming closer to the wrapping of season three here, what experiences will you think of when you look back on your time filming Ted Lasso, whether it's the last season or not? I don't know. But, um, you know, actually, they've already said. But, you know, what, what experiences will you look back on as, as you near the ending of, of the filming here? I think I'll look and, and listen, I should say, I don't know if season three is the end, but we'll see. I, I'm not privy to that information, but um, it's been the most incredible I mean, you know, it sounds like a cliche, but it, we, we have obviously become a family, mm. partly because it just takes so long to film and, mm. you know, they're long episodes now and we're three seasons in. So, you know, it takes, you know, if you're not filming, then we're kind of gearing up for it going out and we're doing some press. And then we've been really lucky to kind of go to some award stuff together. You know, so we, we've just, we've experienced, you know, the highs and the lows of it all. And obviously with the pandemic, I mean, A, we, we were so lucky to be working, but 
you know, it was undoubt undoubtedly a very precious, uh, well, you know, uh, sensitive and difficult time as well for, for everyone. Yeah, everyone's going through their different thing, but we were kind of all there to support each other. And so it's just been such a an incredible roller coaster. And the fact that it has resonated with so many people is just the absolute icing on the cake. You know, we never anticipated, you know, you always want a show to do well. Of course you do, but we never anticipated, I think, the level mm. of love for it. And it feels that we're in a, well, now we're filming season three in, in a, well, in an incredibly privileged position, which comes with some pressure, but that's a really positive thing because it's just because we want people to feel really rewarded by these stories that we're telling and it to feel emotionally satisfying and for people to laugh you know still you know and yeah I mean it's just been an utter joy and particularly you know now now that it's summer and you know we're well into season three filming and Covid is still around but mm -hmm. you know and undoubtedly there are there are far less restrictions in place than when we're filming season two so we have been able to socialize a bit more and, and that has just been joyful because like everyone there wasn't really opportunities to do that last season it just feels like, you know, at the end of the day, to kind of be able to get, especially when we're filming in Richmond, which is where I live, by the way. I lived yeah. here well before Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> Great. Uh, uh, yeah, I lived here since 2014. And um, if they finish filming, whether I'm in the scenes or not, we'll go down to Richmond Green for a drink or something. And that's been just lovely. Really simple sort of stuff like that has been really nice. Awesome. Well, that's just great. And, you know, we've now we get to have a little bit of fun and hopefully ruin yeah. some friendships here. So we've asked your <laughs> other castmates, we've asked uh, Tahib and Kola and Mo the same question. But oh. you can put yourself in the role of the manager because here you are going to be managing West Ham United. But if you are a manager and you're going on a 3v3 match on the pitch, who are you putting on your team for a 3v3? Oh my. Yeah. People from the show. People yeah. from the show, yeah, and you can you can use the uh, if you want you can do either characters or you can do the actors themselves. Everybody else Ooh. has kind of done the actors. The themselves. actors, yeah. <laughs> I would okay. This is this is my thing. I would put Joe Kelly, one of the creators of the show, who doesn't act in the show but is a brilliant co-creator, co-writer of the show, and an exec on the show. Joe Kelly, Hannah Waddingham, and Mo, because they're so tall. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they would be they're just black, utterly, right? I mean, they would just like you try and get past those three. No way. And then, <laughs> and then I put me. Oh no, I was going to say try and choose three of the smallest people, but no one's. I'm just the shortest one on there, and then right. everyone else is normal height. I was going to say you could pit those against each other and we could run between their legs. Um, I don't know. And then, <laughs> I, I don't know. You put like three of the brilliant like footballers on the show. I mean, goodness me, uh, Phil's great. Christo is great. Mohash is great. Who plays Bumba Catch? Mm. I mean, they're you know, and just like and just see, get everyone tied in knots. They're the three I'd put against each other. Yeah, that would that, be great. You're the you're the like I think all of you have told us how how much uh, yeah Bumba Catch there is like he's like legit footballer. <laughs> he is amazing, and also what a great story. So Mohash started off as a supporting artist on the show. Everyone bonded on that show, regardless of where we were in. There was no kind of hierarchy, which is one of the kind of wonderful things about the whole experience of filming Ted, really. But um, Mohash was a supporting artist on the show. Then I think he kind of did like one line maybe in sort of season one. And then he was great. 
responded really well. Brilliant footballer, had more to do in season two and now more to do in season three. And, and has got an agent and has got, you know, like it's just a great, that's a great story. But he's such a nice guy as well. Um, but yeah, he's brilliant. He's really good, like really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I wanted to do a little bit of a fun thing that we got to do with Tahib here um, with you. And uh, I just kind of want to I want to compare some answers here. Um, so this is okay. what I call the uh, hard hitting journalism uh, part of this interview here. So obviously, season three coming out soon. You're in filming. You cannot tell us anything. We know this. <laughs> We're not going to ask you to confirm or deny anything. But you know, there's been a lot of rumors that have been going around for a long time about what's going to happen in season three. So <laughs> I just wanted to get your thoughts here, not on if these are going to happen, but would you like to see these happen? And these might be the most ridiculous rumors. Okay. These are hard hitting. These are these are perfectly legitimate this rumors. Here. And this is this is my so these are my own opinions, not Nate's opinions, not stories, no. not anything. Okay, Nick right, Muhammad, okay. do you want to see this happen okay. in season three? So here we go. Here, okay. Coach Beard wins the World Tap Dancing Championships. Yes, I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, I'm assuming Brendan does that in his spare time, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'd want to see a whole episode dedicated to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about this? Uh, Ted becomes prime minister for a day. Oh, listen to that. Listen yeah. to that. If it yeah. was like prime minister forever, like prime minister for a day, no, nah, no. Nah. Yeah, what can you really do, right? <laughs> how about this? Uh, Higgins has a jazz trio and they sell out Wembley Stadium. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd right? Fun. Yeah, I, I don't think Higgins could probably command that kind of crowd, but maybe, <laughs> maybe post Ted Lasso he can. I don't know. Maybe if he, he got that Van Dyke beard back, that's yeah. uh, that's when it would get there. Yeah, I don't know um, those Down Abbey fans though too. Jeremy Swift dude, has all of them true. too. That's true. Jeremy <laughs> should do this podcast, by the way. That's oh, who I'm going to recommend. That's Absolutely. great. Come on, Jeremy. Uh, this one actually comes from Jason's uh, board that he did uh, from uh, one of the late night interviews. Has Jamie been a ghost this whole time? Has Jamie been a ghost? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Blowing so. your mind. In the way, in the way that Brett might be CGI. Like I don't know. Right, yes, exactly. <laughs> Jason had oh. this whole board behind him with season three uh, writing points, and one of them was that Jamie was a ghost. Jamie is a time, ghost. So it was great. <laughs> That's quite fun. Maybe, maybe, maybe he represents something, and actually, he doesn't really exist. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Everybody's just seeing him in their minds. Um, mm. How about this? Keely is found to be a long-lost Amazonian princess. That'd be pretty cool. That would be. I'm, cool. I'm up for that. Yeah. yeah. So this this is the one that got Tahiba out of there, but uh, this also came from Jason's board. Uh, Rebecca gets adult braces. She gets what? Sorry. Adult braces. <laughs> That's the reaction we're looking for right there. Uh, I can imagine them writing that. And I mean, as far as I'm aware, no spoilers, but I don't think she wears adult braces in season three. But who knows? We've still got some more episodes to film. So that's always like maybe, the most maybe, they're coming right, maybe they're coming right at the end. I know. That's always the most ridiculous. I was like Hannah Waddingham, this goddess of acting, and like throw adult braces on her somehow. <laughs> How about this one? Sam Obasanya starts a chain of rice pudding franchises. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's that something happening. he would do. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, about he's into uh, his food as Sam as well? So yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, it works for all chewing abilities. Um, yeah. how about um Isaac McAdoo starts a boy band? Well, I mean, Collar's got the looks. I mean, like, yeah, yeah that'd be that'd be pretty cool. And if I remember right, you guys have the moves. <laughs> well, yeah, they do. It's great watching them do that. 
because I just had to stand and watch and sort of sort of look really sort of dismissive. But it was great to sort of see them doing it. They're really good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like there just to be more singing in Ted Lasso. I'd love for there to be a musical episode. Oh, that'd be awesome. Can you imagine? Episode? Yes. A whole episode. Like, do a whole kind of glee sort of thing on it. Just Yes. That would be joyful. Well, we that'd know that joyful. Apple came back in season two and asked for a couple more episodes, and that's how we got the great Christmas episode and Beard After Hours. So maybe, you know, maybe, maybe down the road, there's maybe. a musical episode there. <laughs> that would be good. Here's one that I actually want to see. The team gets trapped in a mall for 48 hours. Oh, yeah. Like a kind of bottleneck episode. So exactly. what do they do? Just yeah, that would be good. <laughs> yeah. I always, yeah, I always thought if they ever asked me to write an episode, I'd probably write a bottleneck episode. Yeah, those are, those are yeah. so much Tra- fun. <laughs> Traps in a room episode is always fun, yeah. Exactly. One last one here, and it concerns Nathan Shelley here. So I'm assuming that this does happen, because I'm assuming you can do this, but... Um, when we see Nate enter with the West Ham pitch for the first time, he does 20 consecutive backflips as a show of power. <laughs> that would be great. I can't do that, but um, <laughs> uh, that would be one hell of a, an entrance, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fireworks, too, I assume, you know, once yeah. he gets onto the field there. The Wonder imagine Kid needs to Imagine how season three opens, just doing like a like a gymnastics display <laughs> yeah and they're just fireworks everywhere okay well i'm going to compare those to tahib and uh we'll we'll see if we can't gain some insights from that but okay. uh you passed you did good there oh good good <laughs> <laughs> we're starting to wrap up our time with you and we thank you so much for your yes. time we've got a couple of questions left but you know, it seems like the the question everybody wants to ask out there is from Brett and Brendan. We've gotten some insights into season three. You mentioned you don't know about if that's the, the last season or not. So I'm not asking that. What I'm asking is, what would you like to see your career uh, go on from here? Are you looking to uh, get into directing at all? Are you going to continue writing? Do you want to continue acting? When you put Ted Lasso to bed, whether that's this season, next season, 10 years from now, whatever. <laughs> What is it that you're hoping to do in your career beyond this? Oh, goodness. Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, I definitely know that I want to do more live kind of performance. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got some stuff kind of lined up for that for, for this year. Uh, partly because I, you know, done quite a lot of telly and you sort of almost really miss that, you know, live response, uh, that kind of immediate thing that you get performing on stage. But um uh, but yeah, but just also because there's just been less of it around with, you know, with the pandemic and so on. So, you know, even being going, even being able to go and see more stuff has been an absolute joy recently. But yeah, I don't know. I would, you know, what I would like to direct. I think, I think it's something that I've been kind of thinking about for a while. And, you know, have been sort of thinking, you know, I should direct a pilot, you know, I should direct a short film or just some, just to kind of see if I've kind of cut out for it because I think it's sometimes quite easy to say oh yeah no and I've, I've written some comedy and I've acted in comedy oh I know how directing works and you know I'm sure <laughs> I don't but it'd be good to just sort of experience it in, in a way that feels um in a kind of controlled way and so that is something that I would like to do maybe at some point but you know I've got a couple of other writing projects on the boil and I think one thing that I, I guess I've, I've been really fortunate with with Ted is that because of the way this the storyline has gone with Nate, there's definitely been more of an opportunity for me to do more, I guess, emotional and dramatic acting. And mm-hmm. I certainly haven't haven't done that really much prior to Ted. And um, it, it, even though it was challenging and certainly wasn't in a comfort zone and it was very unfamiliar, it did make me think, oh, this is there is something quite rewarding to really get into character and to sort of 
you know, to really feel things, you know, I've always, and a lot of my writing is very lighthearted, and, you know, intelligence is a good example of that. And, and so is my live stuff. But, you know, it felt so rewarding to kind of really get inside Nate's head and to do some of that more uh, emotional stuff. So yeah, I'd, I'd maybe sort of, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't want to take something too heavy. <laughs> but just, <laughs> it, 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 it sort of feels like I'd love to kind of, you know, read some more stuff that I think, oh, I could, I could maybe get my teeth into this and, um, uh, and try and do something justice. So, so that has felt like it's opened up that door, not, not, not kind of in reality open doors necessarily, um, not sort of presuming anything, but in my head, it sort of made me think, ah, oh, maybe I should explore this a little bit more. Whereas before then I'd not really considered that. And I don't know, I'd love to see like a Marvel film, something just absolutely bonkers or another Indiana Jones, you yeah. know, just something, something where you just get to just, dress up in something outrageous and just, just play on fun right be on wires and I mean I say this as if I know how any of that stuff works <laughs> I mean I'm sure it's actually quite laborious and difficult and painstaking yeah. but but you know to just have fun with doing something like that might be quite not a nice a nice thing to have done well, everybody out in Twitter land seems to think we have a direct line to Marvel so uh, we'll put in a word for you there <laughs> oh do no do please yeah that would be great so I have a, uh, another suggestion. Uh, I'm going to assume you're a musicals kid. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah. Maybe, maybe writing a musical could be in your future or something like that. Oh, huh? well, I've written, so I've written, so this Mr. Swallow character. So there were two shows that I did, one back in 2014, one in 2017, which were little mini comedy musicals, respectively, but small scale things. And, um, and I've written another one, which is going to come out at Christmas, sort of based on a Christmas oh, carol. Um, yes. Uh, and it's, we haven't announced it yet. It's not on sale or anything, but I've been, I mean, that's all, what I've been doing today, actually, is writing lyrics for that. And I would love to, at some point, uh, because it's, because I'm writing the show effectively as a vehicle for Mr. Swallow, but I'd love to take on a musical or adapt a story or something, which is a proper full-blown, full-scale musical where I just write, you know, the lyrics in the book or whatever. And, yeah, you know, let someone else deal with the the acting and the performance side and, and so on. But um, God, I love musicals and, you know, yes. I'm, al I'm always going to see them. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> my wife and I love them. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe Greg we've got your, you know, we've already got your Emmy nominated. Uh, yes. There's justice in the world that will happen again. And then we'll be going uh, into the Tonys and then we can get you your, your spoken word memoir. We we'll can get, get a Mr. Grammy, Swallow Grammy for then, you. Uh, and yeah. Perfect. Then the dramatic roles you're getting will get you that Oscar nomination. Get you that EGOT, and then we've got your EGOT right EGOT, there. EGOT, EGOT. For a while, I didn't know what EGOT meant. And then, and then I think <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda was. Is he EGOT? Is he oh, not yeah. now? He hasn't oh, won no, his no, Oscar. He hasn't won the Oscar yet. Uh, Oscar, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But Jennifer yeah. Hudson actually just won it this last weekend. She yeah, won her Tony. Yeah. And so yes, she's got I it. I saw that. Yeah. That's great. That's so cool. Can you imagine? Yeah. Goodness yeah. me. <laughs> Not even. <laughs> maybe, maybe if they do do a musical episode of Ted Lasso, I can write that. Maybe they'll let me. Yeah, that's great. So this is our last question that we like to ask uh, creative people that we uh, get to a chance to interview. And that's that you have done thousands of these types of interviews. And we're wondering if there's anything that you always want to talk about that people don't ask about. So kind of an open floor for either a Ooh. message or a story that you're never asked about, but you want to talk about? Not, gosh, um, that's a really good question. You know what, as we're talking about family stuff, the, the, the most, I mean, it, it's, I don't want to sound saccharine, but my wife is so incredible. Like the, mm. the fact that I am allowed sound is the wrong word, but just the fact that she effectively just sort of sacrifices sort of so much so that I can sort of 
pursue this absolutely mad job. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have the best job in the world and I love it so much, but it, you know, it absolutely comes with its sacrifices on family time and, you know, the unpredictability of filming and, you know, certainly early on, the unpredictability of whether you're going to be working or not, you know? And so <laughs> she has been so incredibly supportive throughout and it, it, you know it, it's just an absolute joy and you know she she doesn't she's not in the industry she's a music teacher and every day we get to kind of come home at the end of the day and sort of have a debrief about how our days have gone and we talk about obviously completely different things and make each other laugh and she like she has just been an absolute rock throughout this kind of whole thing and you know often when you're doing interviews you're talking about yourself and you're talking about or characters and stuff but fundamentally to just have that support there has just been you know a godsend you know through all of it it's just been I feel very lucky so yeah mm. that's what we don't always get to talk about well we are also very lucky that uh, not only did we have the chance to talk to you today but we get to see your art and creativity on screen and so thank you to you thank you to the entire team at Ted Lasso let your whole cast know how much I mean I hope that they I think that they do know how much this show means to so many people mm. and just thank you for your time today Nick this has just been wonderful Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And I'll tell Jeremy that he should do it. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's great. Please, please. Jeremy's are good, I, I think. <laughs> well, thanks so much. What an awesome conversation there. Uh, Craig, what are, you, what are your big takeaways from our talk with Nick there? He's just so, he, he understands the character. He understands what he's doing from the acting perspective. But he's so smart. He's so mm. smart in so many different ways. And in us kind of researching his background, the fact that he mentioned he was going through a PhD program in Cambridge and then for geophysics, by into, the way, people <laughs> yeah, kind of fell into this acting gig. And we are so grateful that he did because he is putting out not only his acting ability that we've now seen in Ted Lasso in The Martian, in Intelligence. We're going to see it on screen again uh, with John Hamm and Tina Fey. But now we get to see also the, the writing that he's doing. Mm -hmm. So I really do suggest, and I know we talked about it a lot, but there's people are looking for things to do until we get season three of Ted Lasso. And if you have Peacock or have ability to get Peacock, watch Intelligence because Intelligence. it is, it's kind of lighter fare, as he mentioned, but it's just really fun. Yeah, it's that British style of humor, too. That's just very quick jokes. Um, you hardly get time to laugh because they're just so mile a minute, but they're very, very funny. Him, David Schwimmer, uh, just a lot of really, really fun stuff there. But um, for those of you who might have been waiting for our episode with Med Lasso, of course, that will be coming out next um, after this one. We wanted to get our conversation with Nick to you very quickly here. But yeah, this was just an amazing conversation. We're hoping, hey, he said Jeremy Swift. So uh, maybe we should reach out to his agent here. <laughs> See if Nick followed through on the ask there. But um, just really really fun and again folks we don't get to do these interviews we don't get to talk to these people without you without your support uh, our amazing fans out there so um thank you again for everyone for listening hopefully we get more of this and uh we're all still just gearing up for season three so we will get there together folks um and it will be awesome so craig anything else before we leave just real quick, in case this is the first time you're listening to us, we have gone and done the entire show, a deep dive into it. We also have a lot of cast member interviews that you can go back in the feed and listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter, PBBFRN uh, on Twitter. And then also you can join our Facebook group and interact with us. We told them about this interview before we had it. Uh, and so yep. that's the best way to find out who we might be chatting with and what we have coming up. And also we just have people from all over the world that love the show. It's an extremely positive group and we love every single one of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and that's peanut butter and biscuits on Facebook. I should mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just search for that group and join us. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Uh, go everywhere, Craig said. And as uh, always, just again, thank you for your support. But for Peanut Butter and Biscuits, I'm Jeremy Geckner. And I'm Craig McFarland. And as always, folks, be a goldfish. Be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.